there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the this is the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about... What do I say? Welcome to? Well, yeah, you say welcome to. Uh, what is this? New Year, new, new me. Okay, uh, no, right. I'm into it. I'm into it. Do no, it. No, no, no. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy yeah. New Year. Cam, a.k.a. Corey Hart, over here. <laughs> Sunglasses at night. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's daytime. Yeah. I uh, left my other glasses in the car. Okay. I didn't realise until we're up here. Uh, fair enough. All right. I Sorry know. about that. Sorry for being cool. Wow. <laughs> at least someone is. Cam, you do not need to apologise. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we begin the show? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a great way to begin the new year. I'd love to know what we're talking about. Welcome back, everyone listening. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed our spe- Christmas special. Yeah. So that was a sort of a sneak peek into the world of the Patreon. Yeah. For all you non-Patreon people. So if you want to get on board with that, patreon.com slash hypothopod. Hypothopod. Patreon.com slash hypothopod. Before we begin, of course, we will thank Tom, our cooked $33 sponsor. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Way to be cooked. All right. Today we are talking about Belgian conspiracies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a bit of a the random hotbed, one. The hotbed of conspiracy yeah. theories, Belgium. It's a hotbed of, I guess, two world war, two world wars had their main fronts there. Mm. Hotbed of a lot of tragedy. Yeah. Hotbed of beer manufacturing. Beer manufacturing. Chocolate. Chocolate. They do have a few conspiracies. Yeah. Uh, French fries, we should add as well. There's a French fry museum in uh, Bruges. Yep. Right. Belgian fries, they call them. Uh, they just call them fries. There's a f- get, get some curry mayo on them when you're there. Delicious. Yeah. There's a few big Belgian conspiracies, as it turned out. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about two of them today. Just a honorary mention to a couple of the others. Uh, we might come back to this at a later date, but uh, the Gladio network was apparently very active in uh, Belgium. Child sex ring? Post-World War II. No, that, this was a uh, like an anti-communist ah. underground network. That are stuck around for way longer than they were supposed to. Right. There's also a huge conspiracy in Belgium that a lot of politicians and elite people were involved in a massive pedophile ring. Mm. This is long before Pizzagate. Uh, And it was partly because they they did have 
bit of a nasty pedophile murderer mm. uh, who got caught and said, well, if you think I'm bad, you should see bloody PM when he's down my place. Uh, some waffles. Mm. Waffle gate is what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of sus things about that case. Uh, I think something like 20 witnesses mysteriously died. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he kept on getting let out by the police. Uh, at one point, he was in jail and there were people locked up in his basement and no one checked his house to check whether there was anyone locked in the basement. Okay. And they died. Right. Uh, at one point, he paid a police informant money to get him uh, people to kill okay. and said, I'm just building some cages in my basement. And the police informant didn't feel like that was worth mentioning mm. to the police. Uh, kind of missing a core tenant of being a police informant. Yeah. It's step one, you've got to inform. Mm. Mm. Uh, so there was a, and there was heaps of stuff ups, including also the bit where he was like, I'm part of a huge government conspiracy. So we aren't talking about that today. No, but that did lead to the uh, complete reformation of the Belgian police force. Mm. That case and a few other things. I think some of the stuff we're talking about today also might have played a role in that. Okay. In everything we talk about today, the Belgian police don't come out looking that great. No, they they seem to either drop the ball or just not do stuff. They bumble sometimes. Hmm. Is there a... Is the Jacques Clouseau? Is that the uh, Inspector Clouseau? Is he Belgian? Yeah. Uh, I think he... Uh, was he French? Was, no, I think he was French. Can we get a fact check on that? Inspector... A fact check in aisle two? Cousseau. French. He was French. Mm. But depending on which part of France, he might have been on the border. Mm. But he wasn't a bumbling detective, was he? he? Wasn't Wasn't he like super good? No, but he Clouseau was... Clouseau was like the... He's the Pink Pantherman. I think Clouseau might have bumbled a bit. Poirot was Belgian. Poirot is ah, who I was thinking okay. of, yeah. Poirot, the, the famously competent Belgian detective. Right. Yeah. But uh, Clouseau, the bumbling pink panther. Right. Yeah, yeah. Poirot, not a stereotype the Belgian police force earned. No. In, <laughs> in anything we're t- talking about today. Uh, other notable Belgian things. Lucky Luke. Yep. Uh, Asterix and Oblix. They were a Bel- Belgian-Franco publication thing. Mm-hmm. What's Flemish? Uh, that's part of Belgium. Right. Um, Flem- Flemington? Flem- Flemland? No, that's no, just like a, a region. Right. So I think, uh, what is it? Ghent or Bruges? Flemish? Right. Uh, so yeah. Do they speak Flemish? Yeah, yeah, which is similar to Dutch. Right. And um, other places in Belgium speak French. French. Uh, and English as well. So yeah. yeah. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is the Belgian UFO wave of 1989. What about it? There's a bunch of bloody UFOs, wasn't there, Robbo? There certainly was. Mm. But Uh, differing from a lot of the UFO things we talk about in that the people that were seeing them were not... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The people who were seeing the UFOs were not rednecks off their faces on PCP. Mm. And in the middle of nowhere, they were, you know, proper respectable gendarmes. Yes. What is a gendarme? Uh, I think it's like a cop. Is it like yeah. an unofficial cop? I think it's a policeman, but they're more they're more affiliated with the military. Yeah. Right. So it's a. Former... So they're actually more credible mm. well, than a normal cop because they're also a troop. So it says uh, they were the former para- para- paramilitary police force of Belgium. 
It became a civilian police organisation in 1992 uh, until 2001 when it was just all um, abolished and then they all, the thing you're talking about. So they went from paramilitary when 89, when this was kicking off, and then they became civilian in 92. So... It was oh. after all the cooked UFO ones, they had to fire them. Yeah. They were like, now we need to reform the gendarmes. <laughs> um, one of the things I read, because there's basically the, the the root of this was two, two of these guys were driving along, saw some lights, followed it for a bit. Oh, UFO. Uh, one of the things I read said, you know, we know they're not lying because they're police. Mm. And, uh, and sorry, we know they're not lying and they probably weren't drunk because they're police. Yeah. Yeah, but they're police in Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> Famously drunken country. And as we'd find just a short decade later, famously corrupt police force. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> full of lies. Their police are full of lies. So they they seen a triangle shape in the sky yep. with lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to operate in a way that was not out like any sort of plane. Mm. Standard UFO gear. Yep. Yep. Um... And then, so from there, a lot of other people said they saw UFOs over the next two years, mm. um, including one which is kind of the most famous one where uh, they scrambled uh, F-16s to intercept the targets. Three occasions, they managed to obtain radar lock on these UFOs, uh, but they never applauded to actually see anything. Mm. Um yeah. yeah, they kept picking up on the radar and then they would appear as if they had moved somewhere else really quickly or underground. Yeah, yeah. And all over the place. Yeah. And when they had the radar lock, why didn't they just fire? Well, it's a good thing they didn't fire. <laughs> <laughs> because when their radar lock was on these uh, unidentified flying objects, it was actually on the other planes that were out there looking right. for them. Oh, well. Uh, Once again, showing the <laughs> somewhat less than competent... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like something like 400 sightings. Yeah. Yeah. You're fine in a country of what? 500 people, 600 people. Yeah. About, I think, yeah, just, just under 500, yeah, 12, about 12. So no, there was only ever one photograph taken. 11 million. 11 million people. Yeah. <laughs> so in 400, not everyone's going to be looking up at the sky at no. the same time. Yeah. I think there was a lot of reports after the fact too. I think uh, there was a psychologist who came out and said, I think a lot of this is a psychosocial phenomenon because once it got heavily reported in the media, a lot of other people come back and went, oh yeah, I was out that night and saw some lights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw them too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too, yeah. yeah. So there's this organisation uh, called Sobep. Uh, I think their full name... Sobeps, the Belgian Society for the Study of Space Phenomenon. Mm. Um, surely that's a red flag. But they're called Sobeps, <laughs> and the, the du- doesn't correspond to their name at all. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I hadn't even re- I hadn't really thought of that. <laughs> it's in S- a different language. Oh, It'll be French, I think. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I suppose. Always making excuses. Uh, so the, the Sobeps, basically when they heard these, um, the police sort of reports, the initial report... They started really pushing it out there because mm. um, one of the theories is that it was a mass delusion, you know, all, all these sightings over a period of time. Um, but then people point to the fact that, well, two police started it. You know, how could it be a mass delusion? Mm. Um, but the, so the Sobeps, I think they were like on the 
their last legs at this point. Like the it's been going for thirty years. This organization. And I think they had no funding and no one cared and, no, and their membership was declining. Yeah. It was a Belgium-specific UFO. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then suddenly this thingy comes along and they're just like, yeah, it's 100% true. So they started really hyping it up and then pushing it out there and that's what led to then years of people. Mm. Uh, I think the Soviet uh, has since, um, it no longer exists because right. there's no more sightings. Mm. The guy from Soviet wrote a book about it. Um, I come across a thing talking about uh, August Messon was the one of the head guys of Sobep. He was a professor of physics. So he wrote a book. He, his, his stance on it was always, this is absolutely proof of aliens visiting Earth. Mm. And his book that he wrote about it was basically entirely... This is this is the book. This is about what happened when the UFOs were sighted, and they were one hundred percent aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I found some stuff about how he like the government people who were looking at it as well brought out this report that was classified. But part of the report was to do with like changes in air pressure and air temperature, which create phenomenon that pops up on radars. Mm. They refer to them as angels. Okay. Where something in the sky just kind of registers, but it's just all to do with changes in barometric pressure or whatever. Mm. And um, I read a thing that people reckon the government brought out this thing, this report that was classified. This guy brought out his book, which was like, it's aliens. And the government and him struck a deal where they let him read that report. And then next minute, the second edition of that book comes out and it's no longer 100% it was aliens. Right. It's It could have been aliens or it could have been this phenomenon <laughs> called angels that's this thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. But in the book, he claimed to that that was his idea <laughs> and the, this government document backs me up 100%. Ah. So yeah. people think the government and him struck a deal where he'll change his story because the government didn't want him to be exposing the fact that aliens were real and aliens had visited. So one of the things I read was that uh, he was like, besides being a little bit cooked, he was sort of like a (laughs) well-respected academic. Mm. And that even though the report was classified, his like colleagues in academia were like, oh, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to show you this report so that you're across the issue of this radar shit. Yeah. And maybe if you're going to dial in the alien yeah, <laughs> you won't get like ridden off for the rest of your career. Yeah. Um, so just a, a note on their membership. Um, it started in 1971 and it had 1,750 members at its peak and it had been rapidly declining down to 500 come 1985. Right. What I'm implying is he set it all up to as a membership drive. Yeah. Well, I think he's behind. Was there it all. a spike after eighty nine? Doesn't say, but they lasted to two thousand and seven. Oh, yeah. So. so I think one of the other things the report found was that the first sighting was probably a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. it's like almost definitely a helicopter. Well, I read a um quite a long essay. When I say I read, I skimmed through it and looked at the pictures. Yeah, uh, and someone had compared each description of each sighting around for those you know three or year three years or whatever to helicopters that were being used in the area at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he, there was like eyewitness sketches, and he, then he had pictures of the actual helicopter. Yeah, 
And there they were pretty similar. Yeah. Like he down to the lights on the sides and he's... Some of the descriptions are also like, it was a triangle with lights on it. And then a couple were, it was a triangle with lights with a pole sticking out the back with <laughs> something on it. Like a helicopter rotor. Um, Some of the sightings are also just Venus. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which was also, that was also cops saying that. So the thing was, it wasn't just these two cops slash troops who we must respect who'd seen it. It was like a bunch of them. There was mm. like, I th- of the 400 or so sightings, I think 70 were gendarme. Yeah, like two or three individual groups of them. But they're like, so can you just point out where exactly it was? And they're like, oh, right over there, about where Venus would be. Yeah. Just just behind that planet there. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Um, one of the guys that is quite prominent pushing it is uh, Wilfred, Wilf, Wilfred de Brouwer, uh, Major General Wilfred, Wilfred de Brouwer. Don't know why I set myself up to say his name twice. Uh, he, he's, you can look him up on YouTube and stuff, and he's always talking about how it's completely true and it's been covered up. And he was the chief of operations at the time. But I just think he's... Chief co- of operations of what? Of the, the Air Force. All oh, right. Um, but I think he's just cooked. Yeah. Right. And weirdly, one of the interviews I watched, one of his eyes was 100% red. Like... And he's getting old, so maybe like you know, you know old, yeah. It's just like, oh, this is this is a little bit. I can't trust you. A, you cooked, yeah, and you bloody cooked a blood vessel in your brain. What if you'd put an eye patch on though? Would it, that have made him more trustworthy? Yes, I trust pirates. You'd you'd trust a cooked ex-general with an eye patch mm, more so. Yeah. Right. Would you? Would it be because you're like, oh yeah, he's he's done his time. He's obviously yeah. copped that in a battle. What is that? Fucking... Probably some shrapnel that he's got in the eye. Yeah. Fight yeah. on, Major Thanks General. For your service. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like he is uh, seen to be really cooked. Um, but you yeah. think he was just like really embarrassed that they had fucked up the radar stuff so bad? <laughs> they were like, "Oh, no, it had to have been aliens if we couldn't get them." Um, one of the things he concludes, he basically says, in short, the UFO wave was exceptional. And the Air Force could not identify the nature, origin, and intentions of the reported phenomena. Uh, he basically, yeah, he's got diagrams. If you read one of his essays, his pictures that he's drawn, and yeah. Mm. But when he listens to this podcast, he's going to realise what a fool he's been because we didn't even wait a little bit before we said what it actually was. Again, <laughs> this is our New Year's resolution. Um, <laughs> the other thing were the photo. The famous photo. Oh, yeah. So of the 400-something sightings, they only managed to take one photo. Yeah. And you're telling me that the per- preverts and perverts of Belgium didn't have cameras on hand for their dogging? The <laughs> Bel- famous, famous Belgian dogging. Man, we're really... I hope no Belgians listen to this. Well, I really like Belgium. I want to go back there. Yeah. Don't get me banned from the country. They didn't have a Polaroid on hand to snap a proper photo of this UFO? Oh, I think it'd be tough to snap a photo of a UFO with a Polaroid. Or any sort of camera? No, only one person had it. And then uh, a few years later, they invited the media into their house and they showed them all of the other photos they'd taken of, I think it was like it was a pizza box with a torch in it. Uh, yeah, sto- a bit of styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was cropped. Like, it's just this really tightly cropped picture of a, mm. of a UFO. But again, that's something that people still say is 100% true. Um, and it was used, like, I think up until 2002, I think is when he came clean. Right. Uh, 2011, sorry. So that's model make some UFOs and we can take some UFO photos. Um, try and spread. Yeah, do it. Stick it at you. Oh, you you shouldn't tell anyone first. 
No. Yeah. Cut that. Um, so it was a sheet of styrofoam cut under a triangle, painted black, and there's a flashlight embedded in each corner, and then it hung from a string. Uh, so he had taken many photos until the one that they thought was right because it's just kind of blurry and people tried to recreate it in like photo editing software at the time and they couldn't they could because <laughs> it needed to be the reality of styrofoam yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, tell you what made it look really realistic was the uh, Unsolved Mysteries reenactment oh I, I saw a bit of that I didn't see all of it now that really sells it yeah. if, that, if that is what happened I'd be like yeah, fair enough is that what pilled you? Uh, oh, that's right. You said you were you'd you buying pilled. this. Well, I got pilled before I knew how fake everything was. Because, <laughs> look, even though I was joking about uh, respecting the troops, there were so many cops involved Right. that I was like, well, well you know, they're cops, right? Cops. For a bloody socialist, you're a socialist? Do you describe yourself as a socialist? I would describe myself as an anarcho-syndicalist. Yeah. So for whatever that is... You certainly love cops, don't you? Uh, oh, the cops, they wouldn't lie. They weren't just cops, though. They were troops as well. Oh, they wouldn't lie either. Troops and cops have never done anything untrustworthy. But then this is before I realised that the Belgian police force had been completely disbanded. Yeah. I, for being so untrustworthy. <laughs> but before that, so yesterday, or whenever you are researching this, before yeah. that, prior to that, you thought all cops and all military were telling the truth at all times. No, I thought... There was like 70 cops, right? And they weren't all mates. Yeah. I was like, I can understand a few cops getting together for a criminal conspiracy. Yeah. Perhaps to commit a series of uh, bank robberies that would shake Belgium to its core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another reason why they had to disband the police. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think that like 70 would get together. But then I'd forgotten that the cops in Belgium are bumbling. Yeah, right. Uh... Not, the, the, not but, the people in positions of authority regularly abuse it. They had to send bloody Clouseau out there as a Frenchman to get the heat off Belgium. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you that's why Poirot was like devised in the first place? Look, our cops and investigators are just so fucking terrible. <laughs> hey, author, whoever wrote Poirot, Agatha Christie or whatever, mm. bang that's, out some books. <laughs> we, need, we need a positive... <laughs> Image of the police here. That's a lot of Hollywood movies. Top Gun. Yeah. It wasn't because the Air Force was bumbling, but they needed a good recruitment campaign and Top Gun comes along. Yeah. Everyone sees buff dudes playing volleyball and they're like, yep. Meanwhile. I'm into that. Over in France, the cops are so sharp on their strict diet of baguettes and blue cheese. (laughs) They don't need any of this because they're onto it. They're solving the crimes. So they need to have... Inspector Clouseau to downplay how yeah, good they are. Because yeah. otherwise all the criminals are just going to, they're not going to say anything that'll drop, yeah. them in it, yeah. drop themselves in it. <laughs> or they'll just hang up, hang up their hats. Yeah. No more crimes. <laughs> These cops are too good. Yeah. Too sharp. No point. All this butter sharpens you up. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Famously. Butter and wine. Yeah. Oh, well, I think we've, this has run its course. <laughs> Should we have anything else for this? <laughs> No. All right, how about we take a break and then we'll come back to talk about the Ghent altarpiece. Right. I don't love cops. You think they're famously honest? I th- no, look, 
We're not going to re-prosecute this. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about some more fucking cooked Belgian cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are we talking about? What's this one all about? Now we're talking about the most stolen piece of art in history. Oh. The altarpiece of mm. Ghent. Some people say the most important piece of art in history too. Mm. It was apparently the first oil painting. Yep. In the method of painting with oil paints. They used oils for other things, but... Right. Like it was used for something else in painting, they used oil. Yeah, but yeah. I think this was the first time that paint, oil-based paint, was used for this kind of artwork. Hmm. It's a polytriptych. Yep. Mm. What does no. that mean? Well, it means yeah, it's uh, you know, multiple, a triptych. Multiple panels. Oh, okay. You know, a triptych with three panels? Yes. Yeah. Old Van Eyck was like, three? Yeah. 24 motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, was it, well, 12 each. 12 on each side. And by each artist, because it was a, it's a two-man job. Yeah. Uh, Hubert? Bros. Yeah. Is it, it, it is Hubert Van Eyck, right? Yeah, your notes there? Oh. Hubert and Joseph or something? Joe? And John. John? Jan. 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 No, I think there's debate around who painted it. Yeah, there is. We're getting to that. We're okay. Hubert, up to it. Hubert and Jan Van Eyck. Hubert and Jan Van Eyck. So on the painting... Uh, the thing is, no, Hubert Van Eyck never did any other painting that we know of. Yeah. Jan Van Eyck is sort of a famous painter. Mm. On the painting, it says, it's got the, it's, got its, it's signed. It says by Hubert Van Eyck and by Jan Van Eyck, the second best Van Eyck. <laughs> Does it really say that? Yeah. Pretty much. It's like, wait, who wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> the other one. Um, it's my understanding that most people believe Hubert designed the whole thing because mm. it's got it's what is it 11 feet high um, and it folds in mm. so it's, most of the year it's folded in and you're looking at one piece of art and then you open it during celebrations and there's more art yeah, it's like Mad Magazine like just like Mad Magazine yeah. the first oil painting and the first Mad Magazine Mad Magazine folding <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah Hubert designed it and Jan painted, painted it allegedly Politically. There's there's also a conspiracy theory that there never was uh, two brothers. Right. Oh. That uh, Hubert Van Eyck was part of a cult which worshipped John from uh, Revelations. Oh, yeah. Right. And that he changed his name to Jan as like a little tribute to John. Oh. Uh, but that's bullshit. Right. <laughs> um, so, this painting, it's big. Big. It's religious. Yep. Lives in Ghent. Yep, in yep. the cathedral there, mm-hmm. pretty much covers all of Christianity across that. When you've got twenty-four panels, you've got mm. plenty of room to fit in. Did we say the name of it? It's the altarpiece of Ghent, but it's also known as the something of the Mystic Lamb, the ad- Adoration of the Mystic Lamb, or the Ghent Masterpiece. Did you guys look at the the actual lamb in there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking knifed. Yeah, it's bleeding yeah. outside. It's just standing there chilling out. Yeah. yeah. People are just looking at it. It's the lamb of God, mate. It's Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. I feel like it's a bit pagan is paganistic. Just having a lamb. Yeah. When Christian. I first looked at it, I was like, oh, is this the whole like no false idols thing coming out? And it's like these guys are worshipping this lamb, so then they're gonna get fucked up yeah. shortly. But then I was like, oh no, it's like the Lamb of God. Mm. It's representative of Jesus and the mm. Blood. Jesus is referred to as the lamb hmm. in the Bible. Uh, there's a theory that perhaps they've done him up as a proper lamb in this because the 
patron of the church was a big wool guy. Oh. Okay. <laughs> right. And so they're like, there's a little little sheep in there for you. Yeah. Oh. Just Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Combining my two and truth, wool and uh, people bleeding. Yeah. Uh, cool. That sounds interesting. But there's also, there's like a, I didn't quite follow all of the discussion of this, but there's like another depiction of God or of Jesus. It's like, as the king? As the king, mm. but he doesn't have any of the holes in his arms or yeah. anything. And they're like, what does that mean? It's like, well, maybe they're like, oh, he's whacked on some band-aids. Yeah, because is, is the king figure representative of God or... I, I thought maybe that was God and then the lamb was Jesus. But then I also saw referred to him as being Jesus as the king. Yeah. Because he's got bloody John the Baptist next to him. Yeah. And... Virgin, old Virgin Mary. Yeah, right. I think they doubled up on their Jesuses. Mm. Yeah, a lot gets made of the fact that he's got no holes in his arms. It's like, well, you're not going to... If you've come back as the king, yeah, aren't you going to like patch up, patch yourself up. up? But isn't that one of the things people say when Jesus comes back? The first thing to do is check his arms, check his hands, so you know he's authentic. Well, but because who's... He's not having big holes. It's fake. Get out of here. Who's saying that, though? I don't know. Because I bet it wouldn't. I bet if Jesus has his, had his druthers, he wouldn't be like, "Make sure you check my hands." Hmm. He'd be like, "I'd like to be able to, you know, play golf yeah. without the bloody putter going through my fist." They would have healed up by now. It's yeah, been, that's my point. It's been, healed up. Yeah. Okay. But He's like, had cosmetic surgery. Uh, okay. He's gotten the scars removed. You know how like it's very vain. You know how people say like, famously oh, vain. <laughs> look at the look at the little disabled kid. And then they pass away and they're like, ah, oh, but now he's running around in heaven. Yeah. It's like, ah, okay. It's like when, you know, isn't it accepted that when you go to heaven, all the things that are wrong with you are yeah, just like yeah, wiped yeah. away? Don't need me glasses anymore. Yeah. As cool as they make me look. Look at old whistle hands, Christ. Yeah. Oh, no, not we'll anymore. Up. Yeah. yeah. Stop calling me whistle hands, guys. <laughs> I feel them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That'd be annoying when he played golf, when he swung. <laughs> Someone on the other tee. Hey! <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, it's quite a bit going on. Yep. Should we get on to some of the thefts of the painting? Yeah. I, I can't imagine how, what I said. It was 11 feet high. Yeah. Yeah. As big as a barn door. It was mo- now, most of the thefts happened during wartime, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Were, they weren't necessarily doing. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 like sneaky thefts where people snuck in. What's the movie where Cinnamon's playing? Is he stealing a painting? That one. Cinnamon? Yeah. Cinnamon. The heist or something. The know. client. Uh, yeah. At us. Tell John us. Grisham's the client. Yeah, whatever which one it is. Um, so there were more. It was more that the where it was got fucked over by an opposing army and they took the painting away somewhere else. I'm curious about what movie you're thinking about. <laughs> you think you're with Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, he in Cinnamon. The Arthur Crown Affair. Yeah, the Thomas Crown Affair. The Thomas Crown Affair. The one Cam said like five minutes ago. Yeah, I was just double checking. Just uh, uh, it plays throughout a scene where Pierce Brosnan is stealing a painting from a museum. Right, haven't seen it. All right, it's a good movie. Anyway, it's all in material because that's not what the, the sort of high seas were. These was yeah. just they were just flogged from arm by armies. Yeah, we've killed a bunch of people. Yeah. Ah, oh, let's get our loot. Yeah. So the first, I think the first person to steal it was Napoleon. Yeah. Stole it from uh, the chapel, the church. Mm-hmm. 
Who brought it back? I think they got it back as war reparations. Yeah. That yeah. was nice. Both times. I did read something, someone disputing that and saying Napoleon didn't take it, he just borrowed it to keep it safe. Right. Because he respected it so much. Well, that was the same reason, that was the same excuse that Hitler gave for yeah. wanting it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then it gets stolen again in World War One. Yeah. Mm. Uh, by the Germans, who bloody love it. Mm. And then it gets given back as reparations again. Yeah. yeah. Then it gets stolen again in World War Two by the Nazis. Right. Uh, who put it in... Who are also German. Mm. Yeah. But now they're Nazis. Yeah. But before they stole it, it was moved. So Germany and Belgium and I think France signed a pact saying this painting's really significant. We're mm. going to move it here for safekeeping in, in France. You know what they should have done first? Yeah. When they were signing that pact, put a, also put in PS, don't invade and murder anyone. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Make that a crucial part of the pact. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but that, that wouldn't have mattered because Hitler was steamed about this pact. Yeah. He was oh, like, he didn't like the pact. He was like, I feel, really feel like this should be in Germany. Yeah. Okay. So he got moved to France. Yeah. And then the, Hitler was like, no, fuck that. Go get it. Right. And bring it to me. Now, at this point, the the one of the panels was already missing, right? Yeah. So that happened before this. So yeah. it, it ends up in a salt mine in Germany, where it then gets stolen back from the Germans mm. by the Monument Men, by Brad Pitt and company, George yeah. Clooney. George Clooney. whoever it was. I think it was George Clooney. Uh, don't know. I didn't see it. I don't... Uh, it didn't look good. It looked awful. Mm. Watching Glorious Bastards instead. Yeah. yeah. And imagine that they steal a painting yeah. back from the Nazis at yeah. some point. <laughs> <of it. laughs> yeah. Watch the Glorious Bastards, then cut in the Thomas Crown Affair scene, <laughs> and then watch the rest of the movie. So, <laughs> it's a good movie. I'd watch that. <laughs> In between the world wars, though, there was another heist, which was the heist of the uh, one of the panels. Mm. Two of the panels. Two of the panels, which are called John the Baptist panel. Yeah, and the other panel was called the Righteous Judges. Righteous mm. Judges, something like that. Yeah, yeah. John the Baptist keeps on coming up on this one. Mm. Well, he's on. He's in the painting. Yeah. Ah, good point. So those two panels got stolen by someone mm. and then they wrote to the government or whatever and was like, look, I've got the panels. I want a million francs or whatever. Mm. Sent them back the John the Baptist panel as a sign of goodwill. Yep. The other panel, never been seen again. Um, when it was first stolen and there's a bit of a ruckus, people are gathering around, mm. copper turns up. Yep. Yeah, should probably investigate the crime of the most significant painting panel in yeah. all of the world, right? Well, it's Belgium. Yeah. yeah. And we know Belgians, we know they love their beer, they love their fries, they love yeah. their chocolate. Probably some, like, cheese? They love their cheese. They love their cheese. So, I don't, don't know why this doesn't get incorporated in the conspiracy. There'd been a cheese robbery across the street. And he's like... I know the first 48 hours are critical to any investigation. <laughs> yeah. Particularly on cheese. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> cheese. Yeah, which is... It might get left out and go yeah, bad. It's yeah. a perishable. Yeah. yeah. The painting's not going to go off. It's been here for hundreds of years. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably still going to be in hundreds of years. Now, some people might have said, officer, the cheese is already... Cheese is, by definition, has already gone off. You can leave it. Yeah. 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 He's like, no, I want to make sure the cheese is yeah. fine. We better investigate this cheese robbery. <laughs> so get, need to get the wash on this washed rind. <laughs> So he started investigating the cheese robbery and it wasn't until a little bit later that they got onto the uh, most valuable painting of all time <laughs> across the road. This, this motherfucker comes back smelling like cheese. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, 
little crumb hanging off his leg. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and it kind of never really. There's there's so much of the investigation that just kind of didn't get handled very well. Like people, the person who wrote and said, "I've got the painting. I'm gonna like I want all this money for it." No one told the police about that for ages. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a guy from the local community had a heart attack at some big Catholic festival in mm. town. And on his deathbed, he said, Oh, by the way, just have a little look in my drawer there yeah. where I've got the ransom notes and the unsent ransom note that I didn't send yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm the only one that knows where, where this thing is. is. Um, his name was God, Gautier Dia. Yeah. Uh, he was a stockbroker, mm. very wealthy stockbroker. He was incredibly wealthy. Like Thomas Crown, he didn't need to steal. No. But when people were like, he didn't need to steal, they didn't think about this Thomas Crown thing that I just brought up. Yeah. yeah. It's just <laughs> Thomas Crown just steals for the love of stealing. Now, was it his son who also had some stuff to say on his deathbed? Oh, I don't know. I believe it might have been his son. So he had a son, and this ties back into the fucking police thing. So I'm pretty sure it was his son when he died was incoherent and rambling and he kept saying the words police thieves oh police thieves oh yeah police and thieves on the streets I don't know this song <laughs> anyway what does that mean Salty? well that means that you know maybe the maybe the cop fucked off to the cheese robbery because he was knew his mates were nearby with the bloody painting yeah yeah but um, a, the, a wheel of Brie to celebrate. Some of the clues that they found in this guy's drawer talked about, like, I think the unsent ransom note said the painting is somewhere that whether I or the police found it and pulled it out, it would be in plain view to the public. Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to nick it again without yeah, anyone noticing. Without the yeah, public seeing. Yeah, yeah. But he also said somewhere along the line. If you want a, to find this painting... It's a very long deathbed yeah. confession. <laughs> if you want to no, find... No, he said this prior, I think. He said a few things prior. Yeah. He kept on dropping little hints throughout his life. If you want to, like, find the painting, you don't have to go... You don't have to leave the vicinity of the, the church. Yeah. The, this is uh, straight after it happened to me, everyone was searching. He said, I think to his wife, I wouldn't look so far. If they'd let me search for it, I'd stay in the vicinity of the cathedral. Mm. Uh, people took that to mean literally or figuratively in terms of it's the church or the parish that have done it. Mm. Mm. Um, there is some evidence for it being a figurative thing. Yeah. So the other thing about this guy who's supposed to have stolen this painting that he didn't need, he had no need for the ransom. Mm. Uh, he was also half blind. Yeah. So maybe a uh, nighttime... Cathedral heist might have been a bit of an ask. Of a giant yeah. painting. Of a gigantic <laughs> painting. This one half-blind guy is supposed to have taken down. So you would have at least needed a ladder. Yeah. Mm. So the th going theory, or one of the going theories, is that people from within the church uh, were involved. Mm. Uh, there may have been some sort of church investment that had gone wrong. Mm. And so that they needed to recoup this money. Mm. But again... If he's part they saw, of, they saw that cheese shop across the road going gangbusters. <laughs> if he's part of some sort of church investment that's gone wrong, and they need a million dollars to cover it up, to cover the shortfall, he's got way more than a million dollars. Now, was the painting heist just a cover for the cheese heist? <laughs> <laughs> and that that policeman was really on the ball. Yeah. Uh, so he was like 
the cops, I think, wrapped up the case and said, nah, definitely him. But then... Sort of. It's. Uh, but then, uh, then people went, oh, no, actually, it's probably not. Yeah, it doesn't make mm. sense because he's blind. Yeah. When the Nazis got the painting, oh, Hitler was steamed that there was a bit missing. Yeah. He sent his own investigator out to go find it. Couldn't turn anything up, even with his you know, keen Nazi senses. Mm. He's got people out, out looking for the Madonna with the missing booby. And now the, <laughs> the, the panel of the, this one as well. Hitler can't get a bloody painting intact. So there's a few theories about why Hitler had such a hard-on for the painting. Mm. One of them is just that he was angry that they had to give it back after World War I. And so then when he got the incomplete painting, he's like, what is this? Mm. What does a guy have to do around here? Well, I, th- I think also at that point, the painting, the panel was there, but it was a reproduction. No, so that happens after. Does it? Happened yeah. in 38. That happens after they get the painting back from the Nazis. Yeah, so Hitler had an incomplete painting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hitler wanted a bad. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the reasons is they think he just really wanted it. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want... I didn't ask for 23 out of 24 panels. Yeah. He was an art lover. He yeah. was a painter. Yeah. Asked for the whole thing. The other theory, of course, is that uh, the entire painting is a map to find the Holy Grail. And the missing panel has the crucial missing piece of information mm. required. Now, we do know that Hitler loved a little bit of Holy Grail searching. Yeah. 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 He did have people out looking for the Holy Grail and the Spear of Destiny and mm. all of those other mystical items that would be required to uh, bring about his eternal victory mm. and their return to Thule. Mm. Um, he actually sent people to the church. So the, the, the he, I think he put together a team of researchers because... Mm. The, again, we, it comes back to the Nazis just not focusing on war, yeah. <laughs> focusing yeah. on getting distracted so easily. Um, and they concluded that it was somewhere in the church as well still, and they mm. searched everywhere and they couldn't find it. Yeah. They didn't just have one team on it. There were competing Nazi teams right. <laughs> searching for it. Did the, the guy who failed to find it get like then sent to some front yeah. <laughs> to fight? <laughs> Which, under my argument, he should have been where he should have been in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like, maybe it might have been Goring or someone. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like... Oh, this will this will win me some brownie points. <laughs> yeah, but meanwhile, isn't Hitler going to be like, oh, so you beat my team? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Hitler would be so like. I don't think Hitler cares about the team so much. He cares about the painting more. Mm. So the monument men steal it back. Yep, they get it back in 1945. Yep, it's been badly damaged because they kept it in a salt mine. You can keep some things in a salt mine. Yeah, keep film in a salt mine. Yeah. Right, right. Asthma sufferers. Mm. Yep. Fish. Probably yep. fish. Well, yeah, if you're curing yeah. them. If you salt your yeah, fish. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah. Don't keep your painting in a salt mine. No. No. Pickles. Keep your pickles in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so your do, cat? No, my Jack cat's pick, cat down salt mine. My cat's pickle singular. Ah. It's only one of them. It got quite badly damaged and had to be restored. Yeah. And as part of their restoration, the restorer's like, why don't I just paint in that panel? Mm. We know what it looks like. We've got mm. photos and things. So that restorer, know what everyone was talking about. That mm. restorer had already started work. Yeah. I think independently of everything else. Yeah, it was. It's a. It's a weird situation. So in '38, a lawyer had contacted the government and said, "I have an anonymous client who has the panel. Mm. They would like some money, and it will be returned." And the government was like, "No, thanks." <laughs> just said no. <laughs> so then the next year, that Jeff Van Der Acker, Jeff Van Der Vecken, 
who was an art conservator, just started doing a copy. Mm. He just started, I'm just going to start doing this. Yeah. Reproducing the panel. He wasn't asked to do it. Mm. No one was like, hey, hey, bro, you're good at painting. Can you reproduce this panel? So he did it. Why was he doing it? Yeah, good question. Now, he wrote something on the back of his panel that he reproduced. Which was, this is the original panel by John Van Eyck. Well, it's weird because he Sorry, wrote... John Van Eyck. <laughs> yeah, he was actually John Van Eyck. That was a long time after. Uh, he wrote, I did it for love and for duty and to avenge myself. I borrowed from the dark side. Ooh. So, what was he doing? Why was he doing it? And why, was, why did it have to be so dark? Had he been contacted by the Nazis and said, we need the rest of this map. We need yeah. you to recreate that panel. Maybe. Had he been commissioned to do it by the people who stole it? Had he been like... Were, or were the people who stole it like, look, we're just going to fucking give it back. Paint something you, pre- back. you pretend that you're painting a new one, but it'll just be the original one. And just, just fucking give it your own little twist. So that's one of the theories, is that when they've put it back on, mm. it's just the original panel. Yeah. So this bloke yeah. is pretty dodgy. Um, he had a he teamed up with a banker to um, basically restore a lot of the banker's paintings. This mm-hmm. is this famous uh, this banker was an art collector. But then it's alleged that he forged a whole bunch of things as well. Right. Um, and he also allegedly forged a whole bunch of things and then this guy sold them to the Nazis. Um, he's working as a, an art restorer. Is it so bad to rip off Nazis? Well, <laughs> but then it's saying that Isn't he... Isn't that good? He was... Um, he'd restored things and then they got sold to the Nazis during the time of the right. the proper Nazis. So, I don't know. It's all pretty sus, yeah. this guy. Um, there's a few controversies around him, uh, accusations of forgery and all these kinds of things. So, well, Should we knock up some fake Banksies and go try and sell them to Blair Cottrell and all his mates? <laughs> <laughs> Well played. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, a mystery that continues mm. to this day. Well, so the the case now has it's still open, right? Yeah. So yeah. they've yeah. never um, closed the case, and there is one cop in Ghent who is always assigned to it. Yeah. Now is that the shit job <laughs> when you get transferred to Ghent? I don't know. I would like that job. Yeah, be I'd... great. There's must be so, like they've got like twenty six feet worth of storage. Which is just all documents relating to yeah, right. the heist yeah. and the evidence over the years. It'd be great. I'm sure that's not their only task. Yeah. Might have to solve a murder or something. So I was talking to you guys earlier and I said I'm going to Europe next year and Ghent's only like an hour on the train from Rotterdam. Should I go to the church and check out the painting? Which I mm-hmm. think I will. Yeah, mm-hmm. You should, especially with how convenient all of the trains are from Rotterdam. Mm. Amazing train network. Yeah. Really? It's brilliant. Yeah, right. Um, I walked straight out of the hotel, which I've already booked, straight onto the train. All right. Also, Little pro tip there for anyone going to Rotterdam. Also a lovely Geneva bar in Ghent. Right. The, which Geneva's the precursor to gin. Okay. A really small place and they do lots of yeah. traditional Genevas. So when I visit the cathedral, should I be keeping a sneaky eye for like concealment places and maybe I can crack the case? 100%. Yeah. Be like, could I be, could be hidden there. Thought could that be, was the sole reason you were going. Could be down there. Yeah. 
I'll sit in some pews and feel underneath. Yeah. Just in case they've just jammed it up under a pew. What if I just pull the statue down? Yeah. Ah. The arm on that statue looks a bit loose. (laughs) Oh, I got told off in a a secondhand slash antiques shop yesterday. Oh, I'm pulling out a statue's arm. No, there was was like a beard head that was really like cheesy. And the guy, a mate of mine said, oh, how about you get that one? Because I've mentioned we're looking at beards. And it was behind some things and I kind of touched it. And then there must have been a block holding it up straight and I had to block fall. Right. And then I couldn't stand it upright again. And there was all this junk in the way, so I couldn't. And so I had to lean it slowly. Yeah. And the lady comes over and she's like, you go, how'd you go with that bed there, mate? Oh. And I'm like, oh, I just I leaned it because it fell over. Like, I don't know, get a sturdier fucking thing. Jesus. Yeah, you're the one selling it. Yeah. I like that we're going to see something on the news having found the missing bit of the altar piece. They're like, we didn't realise there were so many mushrooms. <laughs> uh, I reckon if you if it's your day to bring in waffles and you forget, then they're like you're on yeah. the, you're on the dent older piece case, right? Huh? No, I reckon it's a I reckon it's a plummy. You don't just because the person who cracks it is going to be a national hero, yeah. and like any up and coming or a regional hero, right? It's one of the most important paintings in the world. Mm. They've already got a... Pe- it's not missing anymore. Wow, it is, though. They've got a bit in there. Yeah. And it might be the real bit. Yeah. I still don't really know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've done some big searches of the church, though, and they've x-rayed the walls. Yeah. And I haven't turned it up. Up to 10 metres deep, uh, yeah. or 10 feet, maybe, the x-ray machine. So... So the perfect hiding place is 11 feet deep yes. inside <laughs> the church. Uh, so, yeah, look 11 feet deep. Salty. Okay, I'll put my x-ray specs on. Yeah. Looking forward to some updates from Salto. Yeah, I'll report back. And let us know how you go with the Geneva. Yeah. And if I do find it and find the little bloody hiding place where like the Spear of Longinus and all the Jesus' nails and shit are. Yeah. I'll let you know. All right. Yeah, and please be merciful to us. <laughs> yeah. Can you break cut us in on this? Maybe. All right, good. I'll take it maybe. Yeah. Uh, great. All right. That's the first episode of 2019. Imagine that. Imagine if that was like the bit that poor, if, if poor old John, the evangelist or whatever his name was, writing revelations, looking into the future. He's trying to make sense of it all. He's like, and the demon had three heads and one of them was wearing a little red hat. <laughs> spoke with a funny voice. For the, for one the of list- them was cool and wore his glasses inside all the time. <laughs> for the record, I'm wearing a red hat. That is true for the listeners. <laughs> it's not a Trump hat. It's not a trap Actually, hat. it's a Belgian beer hat. Uh, not from Belgium, but it's a brewery called New Belgium. New Belgium, right. It is red and it does... I sometimes am wary of wearing it around, but it's a nice hat. Yeah. At any rate... They, could, they should have gone for Neo-Belgium. That has been our first episode for 2019. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. <laughs> but please stay around for the rest of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Jump on Patreon if you're not on there. There's a lot of good content. Sure is. Where do people find us? You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash hypothepod. We're on Facebook. We are on all of the streaming platforms. For example, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Yep. Hypothepod.com will take you to somewhere. Yep. Cookedunits.com will take you to some merch. Cool. And you can find Robbo. You can get me at Ale of a Time, aleofatime.com. Uh, you can probably buy my book if you like, Stu. If, yeah. if you've got a book voucher for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Buy my book. Yeah. Keg bottle can. Buy yourself a little book that you wouldn't normally buy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. Unnecessary burn. <laughs> yeah. uh, salty? Uh, you can get me at Saltmarsh on Instagram and Twitter, Andrew Saltmarsh Illustration, Facebook, and check out Tohider on Patreon. And you can find me twitter.com slash Saxonheimer. Uh, gather around me for my on Facebook and iTunes for my other podcast. And you can get my book, Hot Knockers, the Amazon Kindle store, for like 79 cents. Much more affordable than yeah. a keg bottle can. What cut do you get on 79 cents? I get, well, I've, so far I've made zero dollars. Really? Yeah, because I've got to sell like 300 of these before I, they can give me any money. All right. It's only been six years or something. Jesus. Did they give you an advance? No. You no? don't get an advance from Kindle. Jesus. But you know, self-publishing. No advance, but you don't make any money until you've sold 600 units. Yeah. <laughs> How does that work? A lot of people uh, get Amazon gift cards these days. You can get them at the survey. Do you know how many you've sold? Did Tolti ask that? Uh, I will like, ask how much of a cut he gets of 79 uh, okay. cents. I think I've sold like 100 of them. I bought right. it. Yeah. Salty, did you buy it? No, I'll, go yeah, buy, I'll buy it tonight. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple of chuckles. Oh, fuck. Tell you what, though. Jumped on Goodreads yesterday. Yeah. It was a one-star review on Goodreads. <laughs> really? Someone you know? Hello. Yeah, it's great. Someone, someone coughed up 79 cents for Hot Knockers, a yeah. uh, knock-knock choke book, yeah. and then slammed on Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> you got a one-star. <laughs> person's my icon. I'm going to look uh, that up. Have you had any bad reviews, Robert? Uh, I don't think I've had any reviews. Surely. I haven't looked. No, surely not. he hasn't. Yeah. I, go- I Google it heaps, but I've never seen, like, other than, like, the token newspaper ones. Right. I'll, I'll go review it. You don't even dare, unless it's good. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's all. You can stop recording now. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Don't worry about a thing. Except if all our world leaders are alien reptilians. supply contains mind-altering drugs Don't worry about a thing Except whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia I said don't worry about a thing I accept You can definitely hear John Lennon say I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever Not only did Bush do 9-11, but he also keeps the planes out in Area 51, which let's not forget where all the aliens are. Don't worry about a thing, except Donald Trump is clear.